What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil, episode number 19. Today on the podcast, I have my friend Yesenia Garza, and this episode was a super, super powerful one. We dive really deep into her personal story of just growing up as a second-generation Mexican-American, some of the trials and tribulations that she has gone through in her life to get the successes that she is now experiencing in her life. This one really, really impacted me, and I hope it will impact you as well, as her story is very, very inspirational. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to share it out with a friend. Share it on a social media platform and tag me, at Alexander Diesel, and that way I can see that you're sharing it out. And also, give a five-star review and write a review on iTunes, if that is where you listen to your podcasts. Without any further ado, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. If you can tell everyone a little bit about who you are and sort of what you do for a living and kind of how you've gotten to where you are right now. Okay, so my name is Yesenia. Um, what I currently do for a living is a few different things. So the biggest thing is I'm a, a model and an actress. Um, and it's kind of funny how I got into that. I was actually traveling in Thailand on a tourist visa and... <laughs> I needed to make some extra money mm -hmm. and so I met this girl at the mall and she um, was from Atlanta Georgia and we started talking and she told me that she was acting and modeling mm -hmm. there in Thailand and so she she gave me the address to her agent and it was literally like a like this crappy little house like down this small little street <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so I basically went there they took a picture of me and then they called me the next week for a job and yeah. so basically when I moved home I started to do that here awesome. um, amongst other things mm -hmm. so I also have a, a pet and house sitting company called smooch your pooch mm -hmm. um, which is awesome <laughs> um, and I also do financial consulting so traditionally I went to school for business finance and tax and so that's what I was doing before I basically turned my life upside down and started kind of going on my own path yeah awesome yeah. so what I'm always curious because whenever someone takes a, I find at least that whenever someone takes a big trip to like Thailand or to East Asia in general it's always precipitated by like some internal crisis that causes like, oh my God, yeah. I need to go. Mm -hmm. So was there any of that for you? And if so, what? Because I'm super curious. Yes, there, there was. So when I was working in finance, I was, so I wanted to be a financial advisor. So I was working in personal money management and that is so stressful, that, that job. And on top of that, um, it just wasn't my passion. And obviously later I figured that out because when you're young and you're deciding to go to college, you really don't know who you are. And so you, you're literally like picking from a buffet of like, who do I want to be? And I chose the thing that was going to make me rich and the most money because I am a second generation um, Mexican American. And so like, I didn't grow up with a lot of money and my parents, you know, grew up in poor Mexico. And so like, we were pretty broke. And so like growing up, I always wanted money and security. Mm -hmm. And so naturally I was like, ooh, I'm gonna go into money and securities. Yeah, <laughs> and so I did that for three years. Um, and my boyfriend at the time, um, I had met him and we had this this really pivotal talk one night, um, how we were so unhappy with our lives mm -hmm. and so unhappy with the work that we were doing. Mm -hmm. And he had 
taught English in Thailand a couple mm -hmm. years prior to that. Yeah. And so he was like, I have an idea. Let's escape to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I am so for that. So yeah. literally that was like the beginning of the dissolving of the ego mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so basically I sold everything that I owned. I left with a week's change of clothes in my backpack and we journeyed to Thailand and I lived there for about five months. Wow. And during that time, it was a continuation of the dissolving of my ego. Mm. Yep. It's, it's so interesting. So I've been studying the hero's journey a lot lately, which is just like anything psychology is super, super interesting to me. But there's a very clear structure to it, which is you're in the ordinary world, which is like you're sort of living unconsciously. You're just kind of like floating along. You, mm. You've denied to yourself that anything's wrong. And then you get the call to adventure, which is you're getting the call like, we should go to Thailand and you're like, okay. And there can be a little bit of initial resistance of like, oh, I'm not sure. But sometimes it's just like, cool, let's do it. Yep. And then there's the, it's called the departure from the ordinary world. So that's the piece where you are no longer in things you know about at all. And you're just like, holy crap, what is this whole new thing? Yeah. You almost have to go in and you start to confront pieces of yourself because you're in this totally foreign environment, but now you don't have the normal creature comforts you have at home to sort of numb away the, you can't watch Netflix for fucking six right. hours to tell yourself that you're okay with your job anymore. Right, yeah, and you're, and, and that's the thing too, is like, um, social media is a complete like skew of reality, mm -hmm. and so people were seeing my posts on social media of me at the beach or whatever, and they're like, oh my God, you're, that's so amazing. You're like living this fantasy mm -hmm. life. And really what they didn't know is I was bawling my eyes out like right before that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like falling apart. Um, and on top of that too, like, you know, before I left, I was also addicted to drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I was smoking weed all the time. Um, I wasn't really like coming back to any of the practices that I actually had done when I was younger, like journaling. Yeah. And like kind of just taking like inner journeys and so I was really off balance it was it was like a call from God I swear mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like please come here and yeah there's something about Thailand that's so magical yeah. people go there when they're like changing their lives it's 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 like the East is calling <laughs> slow down Come home. Yeah. it's this interesting thing that I think we all do so like my personal belief, and I think this is backed by science, but like human beings are very much storytelling creatures and we tell ourselves stories in our head of how good our life is or how bad it is. Mm -hmm. And our stories dictate a lot of our happiness and a lot of who we are and how we present to the world. And we, it sounds like in your job, you had told yourself a story that this is going to make me very happy. Yes. And then when you have this discord between this is the story I told myself, and the felt experience is, like, the opposite of mm -hmm. that. Yes. It's so difficult to integrate those two feelings, so you, you exhibit these numbing behaviors, because, like, your conscious mind's like, uh, we can't keep doing this, <laughs> this isn't working, but yeah. it's supposed to be working, right? Everyone else is okay with doing this, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm wrong. Well, we're all creators, right? And, like, there's this, you're a conscious creator, but, like, I wasn't conscious then. So mm -hmm. I was creating basically a nightmare. Yeah. And I, I created this persona of 
I'm this successful businesswoman, I'm making a lot of money, I'm going to help my family in the end. And so it was like this constant stress of actually instead of not so much taking care of myself, but rather what I could do for my family because I, mm. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Yeah. And so they count, they, it's like they didn't tell me we're counting on you, but mm -hmm. like it was there. I could feel it. And my dad would call me and be like, How's school? Why are you taking so long to graduate? Yeah. How's work? Mm -hmm. How much are you getting paid now? And it was like, I had to be this person for my family, even though mm -hmm. they didn't ask me to be mm -hmm. this person. I felt this responsibility. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, and so when I decided to leave that world, I kind of felt like I was failing myself a little bit and mm -hmm. failing my family, and so I had to deal with that as well. Yeah, it's a deep, formative yeah. pressure, and I think a lot of people mirror that experience, maybe not in the same magnitude of having, being a second generation, like that's mm -hmm. an added level of pressure of like, don't fuck this up. Things are bad back home, so don't do, don't do bad here. Or even if you grew up in a, in a great family and mm -hmm. say your dad was a doctor, yeah. right? And maybe your family's expected you to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's like the same pressure. Pressure to succeed and not the... I mean, I even had, my parents were amazing, but I think what I experienced was this. It's really hard to parent kids, right, in general. Like, it's just a difficult mm -hmm. thing to do. So I have a lot of empathy for that situation. But it, it's almost funny that they were super, super supportive of whatever I wanted to do, but they were very, very rewarding of results. So mm -hmm. I became the person that if I didn't get a result I wanted, I, like couldn't handle it because I had been structured my entire young adult life you get all the A's and you get money like right you do really well and you get a big reward and it wasn't right. that I was facing punishment on the other side but I had set up the reward system had been set up in my head that like only success equals you are good mm -hmm. it's like all right well, yeah if you get the cookie here you go exactly you did well pat on the back right. <laughs> and it's not that you shouldn't reward kids for doing well but you should also if I had been rewarded for the effort put in it would have been much more healthy for me yeah it's funny yeah. how long it takes to to untangle those pieces of the conscious and, and I don't have any children of my own right now but my eldest sister she has quite a few children mm -hmm. and so um and we're 11 years apart and mm -hmm. so I kind of felt like I helped her in in raising her kids because yeah. she was a drug addict for a really really long time mm -hmm. and and I get to see the way that she has parented her children especially mm -hmm. over the years as she grows yeah. and what I notice is like the best way to parent a child is almost just letting them be <laughs> where it's like you're not like imposing like these certain rules of how they should be or what they should do or like you said like oh here's a result here's a reward mm -hmm. it's like it's almost being like completely hands-off yeah. but like slightly yeah, guiding exactly it's it's like almost like a paradox yeah kind of showing <laughs> that unconditional love like i'm he i'm over here loving you i trust that you're smart enough to figure things out yeah and like that's a game changer for a kid. Mm -hmm. So to provide that is massive. It's a huge advantage. Yeah. Yep. And so I grew up with a fairly abusive childhood. Like my, my mom had all of like the mental illnesses in the book, like uh -huh. borderline personality, 
she was mild schizophrenic, um, and my dad went to prison when I was in kindergarten. So my mom mm-hmm. basically raised me and my two older sisters. Yeah. And I was raised, quote unquote, the complete like wrong way of like mm-hmm. what, the way that you should raise a child. Yeah. Um, but what I've learned and through like my journey, my whole life journey, um, I, I used to be a victim for sure. I was right. like, I got dealt mm-hmm. the worst hand mm-hmm. and I'm completely fucked. Like. Right. I have to try so hard and everyone else, they have loving parents. They have parents who are guiding them and supporting them. And I'm over here in the fucking dark right. going, who am I? What am I doing? I'm just trying to survive every day without my mom beating my ass. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, but what I've learned like, um, as I grow up is that abuse and I don't want to say abuse is needed but the Mm -hmm. abuse that I had in the way that I grew up actually catapulted me into my awareness and into the person I am now and so when I got out of that victim mentality of blaming my mother for everything that I wasn't or Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be um I completely like changed and realized I think I actually have a leg up (laughs) I think I actually am like further than a lot of other people and it may not show in the outer world it may not have you know, this amazing career and mm-hmm. all this money, but I've done so much inner work mm-hmm. that I, I feel, I do feel ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, there's a reason that the broken healer archetype is a very, very accurate archetype. And that is the people that are the best healers, typically, that are the most empathetic, have the most just general gratitude for life, are often people who have gone through these arduous journeys in childhood. Because mm-hmm. you then have just empathy that a person who maybe didn't have that childhood doesn't have. They maybe didn't go through those things. So when someone comes to you and goes, oh, I'm really going through some stuff right now, you can access that place and generally go, I get it. Like, I really totally. understand that place. It's... Yeah. It's a huge advantage, and it's important to, like, acknowledge that you, to reframe these experiences for yourself is not to dismiss the negative impact that they can have, Mm -hmm. and it's not to, like, say, oh, abuse is okay, because I turned out really good. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But it is to say that it, it, the moment that you're out of that house. The moment that you're out on your own, it immediately becomes our job as individual humans to start to retell ourselves a new story. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, now I'm out. The abuse is over. And I'm out in the world. Now it's my job to to work with what I've been given, the hand that I've been dealt, and do what I can with it. And it's like a lot of people get caught in, like you were saying, that victim complex of these terrible things happened to me and... Life itself is unfair. And this will continue. And this will continue. Yeah. And then they manifest it going forward because they then... That's what they know. They find lovers that fit that paradigm. They find friends that fit those old paradigms. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't ever flip the script, you'll stay stuck in that loop. Or if you if you never realize that there is a script that you can flip. Right. Right? Yeah, because, exactly. like, they're so... I have two sisters, and because of our childhood, and I, I don't, this is what I see, because of our childhood, they became drug addicts, because mm-hmm. they just really didn't know how to process what was happening, um, and they stayed there for a long time. My middle sister, she's still addicted. Mm-hmm. She's on meth. She's mm-hmm. She went to California. I haven't heard from her for mm-hmm. a long time. And then my eldest sister, she ended up finding her current husband, and he helped her get sober. 
And what I find is like, some of us may never wake up. Mm-hmm. We, it's like you're in a nightmare and you stay there yeah. and you don't realize that you are actually creating mm. the nightmare, even if you've gotten out of the abusive household yeah, or absolutely. a bad marriage or whatever. It's like you still, um, you're still creating that pain mm. because that's the record, you know, yep. and, I, and that's why it's so important to expand your consciousness yeah. to read, learn from other people, find spiritual teachers, friends, community, because that's what cracks open the door mm. into new possibilities. I find too, it, it, it's only our job as an individual to be the brightest light that we can be. It's not, it's not my job speaking personally. And this is, this is funny. My girlfriend, for the longest time, I was really actively trying to like help and help change her. It's the most like dude thing of all time. Like, <laughs> let me fix you. Yeah. And hey, girls do that too. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> do. But <laughs> it's the, the classic like, oh, let me let me logically make you better and let me fix all your problems. Right. With yeah. no acknowledgement of the felt experience of that on the receiving end. But what was interesting was when I when I softened back and I started to just focus on being the best me that I can be, that she immediately started to go like, hey, what's that thing you're doing? Like you're, I noticed you're meditating every morning. I should try that out. And it's reframed the way I experience everyone else I interact with because it's not my job to fix someone, especially if they don't want my help. But... If I can be the best me that I can be, then people naturally go like, okay, you're doing something right. You seem really happy all the time. And that creates like the best teacher or again, the best parent, mm. right? You can't, I think a lot of the time, like with going back to parenting, like you're telling your kids what to do, mm-hmm. but you're showing them something different. Yes. And so, yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah. We have to be our own light mm-hmm. in the world and we're not here to tell other people how to live their lives or how to get over their own trauma. We just have to take our own inner journey yep. and hope that other people look around and see, whoa, what is that person doing? Yeah. Well, I want a little of that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I want to experience it. a little that's bit of that, that happiness. It's really good. Yeah. What I found powerful about stories like yours is your story, I view it like this, but... Stories like yours, stories like mine, I experienced abuse in the past. I had a sexual assault done to me and went through just a myriad of shit, let's Mm -hmm. say. Sharing our stories and then healing our own timeline and fixing things gives people who are in that dark place an access point. And sharing it honestly, like you've done now, is this massive mindset shift for people because it's easy to look at the external like you're saying like you're in thailand i'm looking at pictures of you in thailand i'm like wow it must be nice good for you but when you understand the whole story behind it you start to go oh that person's kind of like me Mm -hmm. and if they can do it well maybe i can do it true because they explained their story and I'm a little bit less fucked up than that, actually. Right. Okay. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I'll be the most fucked up light. I'll try. <laughs> Glad to carry that I'll torch. I'll be a shining example. <laughs> no, yeah, that's so true. And um, and so um, 
I broke up with my last boyfriend in 2019 and what I was learning from that relationship, like he grew up with a, a like a fairly like normal family, like Christian parents. Um, there was really no abuse. They traveled the world because dad was a flight attendant. Um, and he was still carrying a lot of emotional trauma. Mm. And I thought, whoa, like I came from this super fucked up family and I'm holding this emotional trauma, but yet you came from a quote unquote normal mm -hmm. family, yet you're still holding on to emotional trauma. And it made me realize that we can't discount people's trauma. It doesn't no, matter if you absolutely. came from a perfect family or a screwed up family. We're, we're all kind of dealing with the same blocks and the mm -hmm. same things. Um, and that brought compassion yeah. for me because I, I was... In the past, I kind of, I was a little bit on a high horse of like, um, oh, you went through that? That ain't shit. Yeah. I went through this. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, like, let me tell you what I went through, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, like, there's a lot of ego in that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it softened me to see that. And I'm like, wow, we're all in this together. We're mm -hmm. all dealing with a lot of shit that we need to heal. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you came from the perfect setting or the most screwed up setting. You're yeah. fucked, no. <laughs> You're screwed. <laughs> and podcast over. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I think people will forget if they're not in direct contact with children, just how malleable children are. Mm -hmm. So people, people compete in the, in the trauma Olympics, if you will, like you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> I have more trauma than you, but they discount or they forget just how how much of an open book to be written a child is. Mm -hmm. And children internalize shit so easily. I remember something as simple. I just unpacked this two years ago in an MDMA ceremony, but I had this expression where I would, whenever I'd hang out with friends, I'd always need to be the person to pay for their stuff. Mm -hmm. Let me get the shots, I'll get the Uber. Here, I'll help cover that. And I was like, well, where the fuck does that come from? Because it's not financially healthy for me to do right. that. And what I unpacked was, oh, when I was growing up, and no knock on my dad, but he expressed love for me through buying things. Got the new video game, got the new Pokemon cards, whatever it might be. And just something as innocent seeming as that caused me this whole behavior of, this is how I show my love. Yeah. And so to unpack that and go, oh man, like, that's something that you could tell someone, like, yeah, I bought my kid a present today. Like, wow, good parenting. And it was, in some senses, but it still cascaded into this total complex I had where it's like, I don't know how to be real with my friends. Just say, hey, man, I love you. Like, I really care about you. Let yeah. me know if you need anything. Yeah. I only knew how to be, I got your shots. Yeah, I know. It's like we're just, we're taught through, like, these subconscious, uh, I guess, what would you call them? patterns yeah. or you know and, and we don't even know that we're doing it yeah and so people you know, they want to be the best friend or the best parent or the best mother or whatever um and we don't really know that a lot of the stuff that we're carrying we just basically stamp and imprint on the next person <laughs> no matter with like the best intention of being the best parent or the mm -hmm. best boyfriend girlfriend um but that's where conscious living comes in and that's where inner work comes in because you got to take a a deep look at yourself mm -hmm. and some of the things that come up in your life and really analyze it and yeah. um, you know the people that I've 
I've told my story to, they always ask me, how are you like kind of normal right now? Like right. how, how did you make it? And I said, honestly, the only thing I could really tell you that I did starting from a really young age is I journaled. Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot and it was like my escape and it was almost like when I journal, it's almost like um, it's a higher self, lower self dialogue. Sure. That's what yeah. I noticed because I'll mm -hmm. write things in my journal and be like, I don't know why this is happening. And then all of a sudden something will come through and be like, this is why, or yeah. I think this uh -huh. is why. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so it was a lot of this like reflective internal dialogue. And then I could go back and read it, especially during hard times in my life and yeah. be like, okay, I went through this before and I made it. Mm -hmm. I can make it through mm -hmm. whatever I'm going through now. And so that journaling, and then um, I prayed a lot, even though I didn't have a religion, yeah. I, and I never knew what I was really praying to. I just it brought me like faith and hope, yeah. and so I did a lot of praying and um, and a lot of biking as a child. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. just get on my bike and take off <laughs> and be gone the whole yeah. day, and just like go to the parks or, weirdly enough, I would go to. Um, a, a lot of uh, cemeteries because yeah. they were just quiet and peaceful and I would just chill yes. there. <laughs> so it's inter I'm going to touch on all three things you just brought up. Let's start with the prayer because I think that's the easiest, the quickest to unpack and then we'll touch on the other two because those are both powerful things. But I had someone say to me that prayer is just like praying, like let's say the Christian version of praying to God is exactly the same thing as Buddhist meditation with a mantra and I was like oh I never thought about it like that but it is just like other meditation and even when you look at things like the secret and these manifestation practices it's kind of the same thing too like usually when you're praying you're like dear god please make this hurting stop yeah <laughs> like you're trying to manifest something right and it's this deeply meditative space that people access that I think because Christianity has a lot of a lot of fucked up things about it, we tend to discount it as a whole. Mm -hmm. But there are pieces of it like that where it's like, oh, that's a good thing. Like, right. Do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's, it's almost like it. it's um, cultivating faith mm -hmm. and hope as well every time mm -hmm. you pray, because because mm -hmm. you're basically saying there's something bigger than me and there's a plan and I'm not aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm here for the ride, and I can just chill out for now. Right. <laughs> I can drop my baggage. Yeah. Journaling is like, I don't know. If I could, if I could have people do one habit, it'd be a real toss-up between journaling and meditation. And I think that journaling would win simply because of what you spoke about, which is the dialogue with your best self, your highest self, whatever terminology works for people to use that dialogue becomes very apparent, especially when you look back and like encourage people, go back and read old journal entries, because A, it's a huge practice in gratitude. You'll so often find like, wow, that thing I was wishing for last year, I'm doing right now. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Holy shit, I had this complete fucking out-of-body experience the first time me and my girlfriend went and did ayahuasca. We were sitting in the ceremony hut, and I had my journal with me, and I looked back, random amount of pages and the pages I opened to was from two years prior so writing in my journal like I just met this girl she's really cool I'm really liking spending time with her and then like two lines later I was like I really need to go do ayahuasca I've been thinking about it for a super long time da, 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 da. and I was just reading this page and I'm like oh, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when that oh. happens those like synchronistic divine moments where you're like 
think I'm in a dream. Yeah, holy shit. Uh -huh. It just like, it, it immediately put me into a deep state of gratitude because so often we accomplish things that we wanted forever and we just on to the next thing. Yeah, we're on to the we're on to the list of all the things we haven't done, and we rarely make a list of all the things that we have done. Exactly. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. And instead, we're always like, in this lack mentality of mm -hmm. not enough. Do more. Do more. Do more. Get to the goal. Yeah. Let me fix myself by doing. Yeah. Then I'll be more loved. Yeah. No amount of doing will ever cause someone a state of self love. That's why there are billionaires and millionaires that still commit suicide. Like, yeah. If it was just about something like that, that wouldn't happen. True, true. And, and the whole toss-up between um, journaling and meditation, the one thing, though, with meditation that's so powerful mm. that I've learned is, so you have this time to quiet your mind, mm. and when you practice that, it's almost like you have extra time mm. to make decisions in life. Oh, yeah. And so I've noticed, like, if I'm on my meditation practice, um, I have this moment, it's almost like a, a split in the time-space continuum mm -hmm. where it's like a choice where there wasn't a choice before. Yes, exactly. And then you're like, oh, okay, I, I can choose to react, I can choose to do nothing, mm -hmm. I can choose to sit here and breathe, yep. and then it's like, you almost feel like you're more in control mm -hmm. of your reality. Which what it is. In your world, yeah. And so that's the one thing that I yeah. don't think journaling can bring you. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I think meditation, it's almost like it enters you into the matrix. And I think people, there's a lot of people out there who have tried meditating for a week. And like, you don't really see the benefits. Like, you'll get some benefits out of doing a week straight where you meditate every day. But you really see the benefits when you go a month straight. Oh, yeah. And this even... When I start people out in the meditation plan, I go, just do five minutes. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need to start. And you'll work your way up. Because so many mm -hmm. people start with 30-minute, one-hour meditation. And yeah. then they can't do it every day. And they go, well, meditation didn't work for me. It's or like, some of us can only do a minute. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, seriously. Exactly. Because start as little as you need. Because mm -hmm, sometimes when your mind is racing, uh, I mean, a minute seems like forever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and then I think... Yoga is so powerful too, especially mm -hmm. in the Western world, because we want to be moving yeah, and doing something. Exactly. To sit is so difficult for us, and so to to mesh like um, an asana practice and moving the body with meditation and breathing. Oh man, that is like, it's so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, I I seriously recommend that medicine to anyone. Yeah, hell yeah. The other interesting thing about three things you said is biking. And <laughs> biking, yes. To the to the layman, that may seem like okay, like whatever. But there's some really interesting studies coming out about how we store trauma in the fascia of our muscles. Yes. Which is fucking like blows my mind, but you know it intuitively because like if you've ever hit a deer with your car or you've ever like whatever, you see animals that have been hit by a car, the first thing they do is they stand up and they shake it out. And yes. then they go run away. But they shake it out first because they are dislodging that trauma from their body. Mm. So what you were doing intuitively, I'd imagine, is you go bike. You're just like, no, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. Yeah. Biking super intensely. And 
it allows a certain level of this not getting stored. So it's the reason that like a really hard, good workout right after something stressful happens is so therapeutic. It's like you're getting that shit out of your muscles. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. <laughs> oh, I love how you made that connection because I never made that connection in my childhood, but I have made it now as an adult when mm-hmm. I do yoga because mm-hmm. um, in the yogi world, there's the saying like issues in the tissues and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard that no, before. Heard yeah, yeah, and so like when you're starting this asana practice, you're literally wringing your body out like a rag. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Say, for example, you start to open your hips, you'll have an emotional release and yeah, you really don't exactly. know why, but you're tearing up and you're, you're crying or you're like laughing hysterically. Um, and then it's like, when you're done doing this practice, you're like, <sighs> like you can almost like breathe deeper. Life's shiny again. Yeah, it's like you've created space for something new to come in mm-hmm. because you're, we only have so much space in this body. And so it's like, okay, let's take that lodged trauma Mm -hmm. or something you haven't processed, let's basically filter that out, detox it, get it out. There's more space. Exactly. Magic. (laughs) It's funny. So yoga, I'm so bad at yoga. (laughs) It's actually funny. And I remember very vividly the first time I started going to yoga classes that first class I go and the whole time I'm just having this experience of like, Cause I've been really athletically competent my whole life. I ran track, I did Muay Thai, like I've been good at sports my whole life and I'm in yoga and I'm bad, like not even close to touching my toes, just absolute garbage. I spent the whole first class in this anger, just like, fuck this, fuck the teacher, that old bitch over there, no suck a dick, like this sucks. Why do people like this? I bet I could beat all of these people in a foot race. And that's the work right there. Boom. That's and what needs to come up. Second class. So I got through all that. My girlfriend encouraged me, like, let's just go to one more class. If you still hate it, like, you can do something else. And we get halfway through the second class, and it flipped from anger to this laughter. And, like, I could barely contain myself. I really wasn't. I kept looking over my girlfriend being like, are you seeing how bad I am at this? This is actually really funny. Like, it was just funny for me to watch my own mind and to watch how I was able to flip that single emotion from an emotion of frustration, anger at being bad at something into an emotion of joy and like communal joy too. Not just me, like, hey, look at this. And that self-deprecating, like, that I think is healthy to an extent where it's like, Okay, I let go of the ego piece that I need to be good at this, and now I can find joy even in being bad at it. Yeah. And knowing it will get better eventually. Well, honestly, that's the that's the practice, and that's the work, and we only see what's on the outside, which mm-hmm. is being stretchy and flexible and all of these things. But really, um, when you go to a yoga class and you practice yoga, it's you're being the observer of your mind mm-hmm. in this practice, and especially like when you're holding poses, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's symbolic for... Um, maybe you're going through something like traumatic in life and you have to stay in this really uncomfortable position yeah. and you got to breathe through it. And meanwhile, your mind is racing and it's going and it's, it, we're, the purpose isn't to stop that. Mm. It's literally to separate from that and watch it happen and just know that it's happening and then to consciously decide to bring your awareness back here yeah. and that it's happening. And so, and that's what you do during your practice and no one's perfect and that is the thing. When you go to a yoga class, you're like, that bitch is perfect. <laughs> she can touch her toes. Right. That person's been practicing for 10 years. I mean, 
I still witness my mind do mm-hmm. that when mm-hmm. I go to yoga class. And that's actually what deters a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so if that's one of you out there mm-hmm. not going to your yoga class because of that, that's a good sign. Keep going. Yeah. You got permission to suck. Yeah, permission to suck and keep going because you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was just so funny. I still, I still like, it brings me joy to think of that exact moment where my mind switched over to like, all right, I can keep, keep being like essentially like a petulant child about this <laughs> or I can try and take a little joy in this. I think, yeah, I think our men in society need to do more yoga. Yeah. Um, men's sure. hips especially are so tight. Um, (laughs) and that's actually where we keep a lot of our, our fear and our trauma. And so it's so important for men to get into yoga. I mean, women too. I mean, for everyone it's important, but I think men need to come on the spectrum of like receiving and like more Mm -hmm. feminine energy and kind of get out of the toxic masculinity. Absolutely. It's, it's been interesting. So I've held, are you familiar with ecstatic dance? Yes. Okay. So I've led a couple of ecstatic dances and it's a very similar thing that I find it especially healing for men that we have this, all of these false paradigms in our heads. So for me as a straight man, for me, it was like, if I move my hips like that, then I'm gay. Oh, I know. That's like, and so many guys have that experience. Like I can't dance like that. That's going to make me this. Ecstatic dance is this healing modality where like people will straight up cry their eyes out in the middle of a class because they've gone through and similar to yoga, like it brings up these emotions where you're like, oh, I didn't, oh man, that memory that's in there of me being five years old and you know, I was dancing to some music, just like scooting around and then an adult was like, don't dance like that. Yeah, I know. Never dance again. I know. And I'm like a very loving, open person. And I've heard my mind say that. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy did this. I wonder if he's gay. Mm. And then I'll notice it. And I'm like, wow, that's really hammered into my subconscious. And then I'm like, oh, goodness. Like, I'm a part of it. (laughs) I'm a part of this, like, society and, like, toxic masculinity as well. Everyone gets it programmed into them. And it's, it's funny because we do a lot of assuming when so many things in our life would be easily solved by like, hey, are you gay? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I am. Oh, okay, cool. Or, no, I'm not. Oh, no, I know. Or even, there's no black and white. Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel this way and sometimes I feel that way. And you know what? It's okay. Like, we don't have to freaking label everything and put it in a box and be like, you're gay, you're not, you're bi. It's like, I don't know, maybe sometimes I'm gay. I don't know. (laughs) On Tuesdays specifically. But, you know, it's fine. (laughs) But no, I think that's so important for men. And um, I guess women too, if you look at it in the other way, in the opposite way of like, you know, being super feminine. Well, you know Um, what women get the experience of most often in the ecstatic dance? It's the experience of rage. Which I find really oh, interesting. Oh, it's like the opposite. It's like we're balancing. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. It's all of the emotions we're not allowed to feel that yes. seem to come up. So like it's the one I run is structured with different pieces to it. So you go through this experience where like there's a very calm piece that represents like kind of being in the womb and everything's safe. And there's a more like sad, scary piece, which is like you've been birthed out into the world. You don't know what's going on. Where am I? And then there's the third piece, which is like you're stepping into the warrior or warrior, yes, what would be the female warrior, mm-hmm. other warrior, 
archetype of like, all right, I'm stepping into my power. I am who I'm supposed to be. But a lot of women in that stage experience just like this deep anger because they've, what you resist persists. So anything that you've shoved down internally, it's not okay as me being a woman to feel yeah. angry, to assert myself, to tell someone how I feel. Yes. That all bubbles up. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I can totally see that. Oh, man. I mean, even, like, so for me, growing up, I felt like I wasn't feminine enough. Mm. Because growing up in a really hardened mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. I had to be really strong. And yeah. so a lot of the time, when things would happen in my family, I wouldn't cry. Because mm. I felt like if I cried, then it was like, oh, we're all going to break down. Mm -hmm. And so even my my older sister, the middle one, she was more emotional than I was. And I would just push it down mm -hmm. and be the strong one. And then now as an adult, I have psoriasis. Mm -hmm. And I've really delved deep into what yep. does psoriasis mean? What is this telling me? What is my body telling me? Because I don't believe it's just isolated to a physical right. Absolutely. issue, right? It's something way, way deeper than that. And that's what I've come to realize is it's, I have this mechanism of like pushing down emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and not being able to express them. And so what's happening, and I'm not sure if you know what psoriasis is, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's like eczema, but worse. It's mm -hmm. like you get kind of like these red irritated spots on your skin that mm -hmm. kind of like scab over and they don't really heal. Yeah. And doctors will tell you, okay, you'll have this for your whole yeah. life. It's not going to heal, right. which is bullshit, by the way. Um, and, but yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's like our emotions coming up and mm. the skin is the largest organ in the body. And so it's right. basically expelling it's these emotions in yeah. any way that it can. It's like, get these out, like let's detox. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting. That's yeah. so interesting to me. Well, it's funny. It's, you're not the first person on my podcast to have that experience of, so I had my friend Ian on, and unfortunately that was the podcast where the sound was all fucked up. I still put it up anyways, but like mm -hmm. it's hard to listen to. But he had the same experience. He he facilitates ayahuasca ceremonies, and when he first started working with the medicine and started to eat clean, and there's these two things in conjunction with each other, his psoriasis went away. Mm -hmm. And he was like, whoa, they told me that this was just something I was going to be stuck with what's going on right it's because they're looking at one isolated piece which mm -hmm. is the physical piece but what we don't realize is that even our thoughts are mm -hmm. can be like a toxin in the body yeah. and so when i am really off balance confused i feel like i'm not trusting life mm -hmm. or things are just going wrong for me and i'm in that mindset of oh my god everything's turning to hell yeah boom psoriasis comes up right. so it's not just you know eating healthy yeah it's not just exercise, mm -hmm. but it's like this triad of like, yes. where is your mind? Where is your mind at? Because it's creating your reality right now. Yeah. And so I used to think it was a curse to mm -hmm. have psoriasis. Now I kind of feel like it's a blessing yeah. because I can see physically, I can see on my body if I'm imbalanced. It's and like, like a if I, yeah, it's like a mood ring. That's so funny. That it's like a mood ring. Yeah, it's like, okay, Yesenia, right. you need to get back on like your yoga or your meditation. Right. I'm fucked up right now and I can see it. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah. No denying that one. God damn it. I want to hide right. you, but coming up. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, people have trouble. In my experience, a lot of people I talk to have trouble grappling with the concept of 
the mental dictating the physical, but I think an easy access point for a lot of people is like, it's a known thing that people with increased stress get more heart attacks. Like, this is how I phrase it to people. Like, if that is the case, which we know it to be, modern Western medicine has shown us that through countless studies. Stress, heart attack. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, why, why would we in our naivety think that it's limited to that one emotion and not to the entire expanse of emotions we experience. Right. It's just the science hasn't quite caught up yet. I think, too, there's probably a lot of ego in the science as well, where it's like, well, this is what we've thought for so long. We've done so much research on this, and, you know, Western medicine, like, Mm -hmm. it's better than this medicine or this medicine, you know? So it's almost like saying, okay, we were wrong. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) We need to incorporate, like, holistic healing mm-hmm. into our our lives yeah. um it but we're getting there though yeah we are it, it's funny to see that people definitely like i believe in both things in conjunction like western medicine is a, an amazing blessing for like i'm dying right now and i need my like i had a wellness surgery when i was younger like okay that made possible by Western medicine. Like, great. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, I would have probably just died mm-hmm. at a previous time. But to then accept that, okay, there can still be knowledge in some of these other traditions, that is still very useful. And I think we're starting to see the first pieces of integrating Western medicine. Right, like, how can we combine other... all of these together? Because that's, that's when magic happens. Right. It's like, let's take Western medicine, let's take Eastern medicine, let's figure out what's working and what's not working and mm-hmm. use it all in conjunction right. and save people's lives that way. Exactly. And instead of prescribing medicine to people, we need to be prescribing meditation, mm-hmm. exercise, and actually holding these people accountable. Because a lot of the time it's like, you know, and I've done this too, I go to the doctor and they're like, are you eating healthy? Are you mm-hmm. exercising? Okay, go home and do that. And yeah. you're like, bullshit, give me the medicine. Right. Like, <laughs> I want the pill. Yeah, give me the pill. It's not working. But because, you know, a lot of the time when we when we finally get to the point where we're eating healthier, exercising, mm-hmm. we've actually done inner work towards self-love exactly. that gets us to the point where we do want to exercise yes. and eat healthy. Unless you have like some terminal illness that you're like, oh shit, I got to do this now yeah, or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll just continue our habits. Yeah, I think it's... So I see this with people. It's interesting because every human, at least in Western society, wants the quick fix. And we even see this in psychedelic medicine as a a risk is that people want to take one dose one time and have all the results in the world and that's just not how anything works and the piece that you touched on that's super important is like it's discovering what traumas what difficulties in your life what inner pieces of you are holding you back from doing these things that really is a game changer because when you a useful question for people to ask themselves is if I really loved myself would I do blank and that you just ask yourself that internally like if I really loved myself would I go to the gym today the answer might still be no it might be like no I'm really tired from yesterday my body's all fucked up more often it's gonna be yeah I would because feeling good is important to me like not just the physical appearance of looking good right oh, I know going to the gym makes me feel good, or I know going to yoga makes me feel good and enhances my experience. But it's this lack of self-love that's like, oh, I don't want to go.
go there, I'm gonna get judged, and I, I don't wanna feel judged, mm -hmm. or for eating, it's like, well, I just wanna eat the pizza, because it's gonna make me feel just numb, mm -hmm. and dumb town. Or it's like that, it's like, you know, eating something with sugar, it's like, ooh, I get that little high mm -hmm. right now, and that's what I need right now, I need to feel good right now. Mm -hmm. I had a really interesting experience, one of the coaches in the mastermind that I'm in, Eric Godsey, it's a great follow on Instagram, everyone go follow him. It's just his name. Um, he recommended to me that we had a challenge last year, which was to go a week with no sugar. And like, I have a total sweet tooth. Like, I'm a sucker for sweets. And this is while I was working a traditional job. And what he recommended to me, because I, I failed on like day two. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck. Like, oh, like, I go to the gym a lot, so I'm in good shape, but I... I made it to day two, mm -hmm. and then I broke on the sugar. Like, what's going on here? And he was like, do this for me. Just write down after you've gotten the sugar. Bring a note card with you and just write down what emotion were you feeling before. And I was like, ooh, okay. All right, that'll probably bring some stuff up. And I did it a few times, and I saw the pattern. I was like, oh, whenever I had to have a difficult conversation with someone at work where I had to go, like, hey, sorry, you're fired. Like, you can't be here anymore or you know you're really close to being fired or you, whatever it might be mm -hmm. you can't do that job that way anymore i would then immediately after like go to the, go to the gas station I'm like all right i'm gonna get a candy bar and i'm gonna get an energy yeah. drink and i started to unpack that through the process of journaling and went oh okay anytime i am scared of love being withdrawn from me because i'm asserting myself out in the world my body has an adverse reaction where I want to immediately numb that feeling. It's like the internal experience of, what if this person doesn't like me? Right. And I was like, oh, shit. What a realization. And then as soon as I unpacked that, it pretty much went away. Like, yeah, it's still there in some aspects if it's like a really intense experience. But for the most part, like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. But now you're aware of it. Mm. And so it's like you can't go back. Mm -hmm to exactly where you were before. So it's like you're you're making these steps into your awareness. Yeah. And so when it does come up, then you'll actually, like we were saying with meditation, mm -hmm. you have a choice then. Instead yes. of just automatically doing it and being like, oh crap, I just ate like mm -hmm. 10 donuts. Exactly. <laughs> Not again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, okay, so we're on this topic of self-love too because I have, I have experience where it's like, okay, like I'm getting to the point of I'm taking care of myself, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising. And then we can actually take that to the other extreme where mm -hmm. we're doing it too much. Yeah. Where then again, you're lacking self-love mm -hmm. of like pulling back and tuning in and listening to your body mm -hmm. and saying like, oh, I worked out really hard yesterday. I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to rest today. Yes. That's a form of self-love, and a lot of the time, we just get back into that yeah. go-hard mentality where it's like, let's get healthy! I'm only worthy if yeah. I do everything. Right, like I'm, I'm, I'm to this enlightened perfection, mm -hmm. and then the universe goes again. Slap, slap! Idiot. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's like, you, it's like this beautiful balance we're always trying to accomplish. Yeah. It is, it's super important to acknowledge because people, people express their lack of self-love in a multitude of ways. Like there's people that be listening and be like, my diet's perfect. I work out every day. And it's like, okay, 
what would happen if, like I always invite people to embrace the opposites, like what would happen if you just didn't work out and didn't eat healthy for a day? Like in the true totality of your being, that is not going to fuck you up very much. Mm -hmm. So in terms of actual health consequence, like eating that pizza day and not going to the gym does not screw you up that badly. It's doing it 40 times in a row that's a problem. So if you did that for one day, notice the emotions that come up in you and notice how many parts of you are like, no, I'm failing, I'm terrible, I suck, I can't believe I did this, da 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 Because those are the parts that still need to be processed that are oh, not yeah. in self-love. Mm -hmm. Self-love is all-encompassing. I love myself because I am myself. Yes. Not, I love myself because I work out. Yep. It's just interesting yep, totally. to see. Yep. I'm actually, I'm dating a guy right now where he... He can sometimes go super hard because he's 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 a Scorpio mm -hmm. and so he gets really like dedicated and emotional on things, mm -hmm. and I try to remind him to pull back and create balance. Yep. And he's like, "But what I need is someone pushing me mm -hmm. hard." And I'm like, "Okay, like yeah, okay, I will definitely digest that and show up for you in that way. Mm -hmm. But also like I have learned to sit back, mm -hmm. receive, and create balance." is the best way to move forward yes. in, in my life. That's what I've figured out. And so I'm like, how can I like push, be a good partner and push him forward mm -hmm. and, and, and like stay dedicated on things that he wants, but also incorporate like, Hey, chill out, <laughs> you need to cool chill out. Like, you don't need to go to the gym today. Like you, that like, is you pushing him too. Like you're pushing him towards something. It's just not Ooh, yeah. what he thinks he needs. Right, right, exactly. Yep. And I find a useful rule that maybe he will hear and use for himself <laughs> if he so chooses that I would invite anyone in the audience listening to is I have a rule that if I don't want to go to the gym, I can skip the next day. Mm. I can never skip the day that I am on. Uh -huh. This rule was a game changer for me because I have just... a ruthless inner judge that was like you lazy piece of shit you're skipping a day at the gym what's wrong with you you need to keep going yeah. but then my body was still kind of fucked up because it wasn't recovering properly but this rule gives me the power to go okay i'm not i'm never skipping because of a lack of willpower or motivation in the moment like sometimes you wake up and you're like, i'm kind of tired i don't want to go to the gym mm -hmm. and Really, what you need to do in that moment is to conquer that feeling and right. to go out and do it. But then I, if I go, okay, I don't want to go to the gym today, so I can skip tomorrow if I want to. Just change that. It delays the gratification, so it's no longer an immediate choice of, I don't feel good, I don't want to go. I love that. So. I'm going to use that, because I battle that a lot, yeah. a lot, too, where I'm like... And I have such a small frame, too, that when I go to the gym and I hit it hard, like... I feel like I got hit by a bus the next day, and I'm, I'm like, up. yeah, and I'm like, oh, I gotta rest. But then, like the next day, I'm like, oh, I gotta rest. <laughs> and then, again. yeah, and then it continues, yeah. and then you're like, oh my god, I'm off balance again. I screwed up. In a week. <laughs> yeah, that, and with everything for that, like, I want a cheat day. Okay, well, I can't make an emotional decision right now that I'm gonna get a pizza five minutes after this podcast, but I can say that this Friday. I'm going to have something. Yes, I love that. So I'm, I'm going to incorporate that for sure. I like that tip. Helps helps us type A, go, go, go people to like, because I mean, it's funny how 
how many times I've spun myself out for a week or two weeks because I pushed too hard mm -hmm. versus if I had probably just taken like two hours to like play video games or just like do something totally non-productive, mm -hmm. I probably would have recharged myself and been fine. Yeah. Giving myself that permission has been oh, yeah. game changing. Yeah. And I think honestly, like we we have our days to figure this out like well hopefully we have our days to figure this out and and like um all of last year for me like i used to be very type a go hard like when i worked in finance it was like get it done get this certificate like you know do this do that um and then i went on the completely other spectrum like when i did my whole trip to, trip to thailand yeah. and my ego death or whatever I still have an ego, by the way. It's not completely dead. <laughs> um, but then I went on the other spectrum of, like, chilling too hard. I'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, I'm going to go bike today. I'm not going to do anything. Yep. Like, I'm just going to, like, you know, bask in this world because it's beautiful. And that's that's a cool experience to have. Yeah. But then again, it's like, okay, you live in the real world. The reality is, is, like, you actually have to do some work. <laughs> you have to make some money. Mm -hmm. You have to support yourself in some way and so um luckily now i'm back on the on the balance of like okay let's incorporate how to receive like this feminine mm -hmm. energy of flow but also the type a masculine energy of let's get some shit done yeah people people fantasize about oh i could spend every day on the beach but like on the 1,000th day that you're drinking alcohol on the beach, that would be a hell. Like, that right. would actually be, at least for me, that would be hell. Like, wake up, you're feeling kind of hungover every day, your body's degrading, so it's like, we have a narrow view of what celebration is and what relaxation is, and oftentimes, like, I can only truly relax when I know I've been doing the shit that I need to do. Right. Because that's not born out of avoidance. It's born out of celebration. Mm-hmm. You notice it when you are on your 13th day in a row of doing nothing. You're like, all right, I got stuff that needs to be done yes. right now. Yep. I'm not really relaxing. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to avoid thinking about the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. And then when you get so far on that spectrum, then you start to create this story of it's not okay to relax. And then you go back on the other end. So it's like this like jumping from end to end. Yeah. So yeah, that can be dangerous. So it's almost like every day we do have to cultivate our awareness mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not doing that. Well, this is what the practices of meditation and journaling give us is this bird's eye view of, hmm, interesting. Like I, I put in mm -hmm. my journal, I put a little score next to each day, like an eight. Today was okay. an eight. <laughs> I felt really good all day. It was yeah. amazing. And you can see trends. Yes. Man, the last 10 days in a row have been twos. <laughs> What's going on? Interesting. I see trends with um, the faces of the moon. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm like a female and I'm more intuitive. Mm -hmm. And like females, we cycle with the moon. So, if you're not aware of that, yes, yeah. some people are. Um, but I notice that like when we are... Um, waxing to a full moon it's like energy is building and i can yeah. see it in my journal where i'm getting more and more emotional where i'm like oh this happened today oh my god mm -hmm. and then after the full moon as it's waning mm -hmm. i'm like it's all good yeah. life is good <laughs> and that's what i notice if i go back mm -hmm. in my journals i will track the moon and be mm -hmm. like oh my god that's hilarious yeah. i had my friend brooklyn on the podcast and we did most of the episode I love getting out of my comfort zone about topics so like 
that most of that episode was about women's period cycles. Oh, awesome. And how different the energy is from different parts of the cycle. So yes. how it can be just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember the phases. Just go back and listen to the episode, everyone. Because I'm going <laughs> to fuck this up. But it's like, hey, you're at a certain phase and you're going to have a lot more energy. So like, hey, plan shit for that set time and then plan the time when you would be a little more inward and a little more yes emotional to like okay well that's the time where i'm gonna practice some more self-care habits i'm gonna take more baths i'm gonna yes and it's not just for women i think women just experience it more deeply um it's the same for men so if you want to know the energy just look to your girlfriend (laughs) she's the compass (laughs) you're the emotional right now where am i avoiding emotion in my own life there it is Awesome. Um, so let's touch a little bit upon, upon what you're doing now and yes. sort of what you're working on that you're excited about. Yeah. So what I'm working on right now is uh, my company called Life of Yes. And so it is about consciousness, um, meditation, healing practices, inner work, basically everything that we've talked about today. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited about this because during so many phases of my life, I've done so many different jobs and finally I feel like I'm coming to like the truth of who I am and kind of stepping into, oh, this is what I love to do. And I know that because it brings me energy when I talk about it. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now. And I, and I think the way that I imagine it kind of coming to fruition is just, doing some writing, mm-hmm. doing some blogging, um, obviously hitting up that Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where it will lead, but um, that's what I know for now. And mm-hmm. I'm just taking it like one step at a time because I've realized that I can literally have this uh, you know, story or imagination in my mind of how something will manifest and show up. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't meet that expectation, um, I feel like, you know, I don't know, like... A, I failed in some way, right? right? So, so I'm learning to just um, know what feels good and mm-hmm. move from there, and then take the next step from there. Yeah, yeah. I love that metaphor that I often use is that we think that discovering our purpose is like just knowing what it is. Like, oh, you just know what your purpose is. But I think it's a lot more like you're an archaeologist, and like you dust off this bone over here. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. That's a piece. Like, maybe I love writing. <gasps> okay, that's a piece. And yeah. you dust off this bone over here, and you're like, oh, and helping people. That's another piece. Like, yes. holy crap. And eventually, as you dust off more of these pieces, the whole picture starts to become apparent until you've uncovered this entire skeleton or framework of what it is you're supposed to be doing here right. on this earth. And only through doing the process that you're now doing, which is starting to do these things, mm-hmm. is how you discover, like, this is for me or that isn't for me. But so many people get stuck in the process of like, well, I'm I'm not positive it's my purpose. It's like, well, that's the dirty little secret is very few people are just like, Mm -hmm. this is my purpose. Yeah. Discovery. And I think that everything, like there's no wrong path Mm -hmm. because everything that I've done for jobs in the past has led me exactly right now to this chair. Yeah. Exactly where I am. And so I can't discount you know, going into finance Mm -hmm. and like, you know, um, basically doing these jobs for financial security, which everyone wants, you know what I mean? But like that showed me that contrast showed me 
that's not all of me. Yeah. That's not exactly. all of my truth. And so now I'm here going, oh, I think I've discovered something that actually lights me up. Yeah. And so I'm excited to go down that path. Oh, yeah. I get excited talking about that kind of <laughs> I remember when I officially quit my job and was like, all right, striking out on my own. It was like this feeling of there's a lot of fear there, which mm -hmm. is normal. Like, people should hear that that's normal. You're going to have fear because there's parts of you that... I guess if you're anything the same as me, I had large parts of myself that were actually scared of putting myself fully into something because I had never really fully put myself into something before. And there's a story you can tell yourself when you haven't fully sent it that if you fail, it's because you didn't try. Yeah. You can't tell yourself that story when you've fully gone for it. Mm -hmm. So it's terrifying because most people have never truly failed at anything. They've only not tried as hard as they could and then failed and then gone like, well, if I had tried, I could have done it. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's that level of perfection too. Mm -hmm. Like two years ago, I, I studied to be a yoga teacher and mm -hmm. I've never really like traditionally taught in a classroom mm -hmm. up until now. I mean, I've subbed a couple of times for yeah. other teachers, but I had noticed that that was my fear. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not perfect. Who the hell am I to be a yoga teacher? Right. And I just went to a yoga conference, like, just a few weeks ago, and I had brought that up in a session, and one of my yoga teachers said, who the hell do you know is perfect? Right. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just, like, hit, like, a chord for me, and I'm like, you're right. And she was just like, you just got to get out there and start mm -hmm. teaching. And so that's kind of led me to this now, because I feel like as I, as I come out, you know, on a platform, and I start talking about all the topics that we talked about today, um, immediately, you know, in my mind, it's like, you're not perfect, you're not perfect at meditation, you're not perfect at this, and so I'm realizing, you know what, that imperfection actually makes me a really good teacher. Yes, it, it's a hundred percent, the thing I keep rediscovering for myself is, man, if you watched a movie, and the superhero had it all together the whole way through the movie, and never experienced any difficulty whatsoever, that would be a boring-ass movie. Like, right. You wouldn't actually want to watch that. It's the same thing for teachers. If your teacher has always had it all together, that's a terrible teacher. They're going to have no empathy for you. They're going to not care. They're going to be like, what, you're running into problems? Why? I never ran into problems. <laughs> yeah. To be a good teacher is to go through these experiences and not feeling like enough and having all these experiences of imposter syndrome and to come out the other side because then you could be truly empathetic for students and go like hey i've been there like trust me it may not seem like it now right but i've been there and that it's okay to be there mm -hmm. and that you'll never you'll never be this perfection no and that's beautiful yeah <laughs> it's important to acknowledge people think that Again, it's the Instagram effect, or the YouTube effect, Instagram. or the Facebook effect, where yeah. it's like, man, that person lives a perfect life, and it's like, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Yeah, and I think, too, like, um, people are now using Instagram um, as a platform to show their imperfections, mm -hmm. um, and then that also kind of opens the door for other people to be yes. like, me too, yeah. I'm not perfect. That's <laughs> what everyone, it's not just you. And now, like, imperfections like the new black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which am I, I'm always... It's funny how the pendulum swings, where hopefully this will not be a thing, and I think on average it's a positive thing, but now you kind of see, like, uh, <laughs> uh, as the 
as the process of being vulnerable becomes in vogue, you see people kind of like having the vulnerability Olympics. Of yeah, like, like look at this uh, ugly birthmark mm -hmm. I have. <laughs> I can't believe that this, this, and this happened. And there is like, I don't know. Look at look at my web toes. I'm in per yeah. toes. Yeah, toes. I'm in perfect too. Follow, follow. Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's totally true. It's, it's like. Almost. It, way on the other spectrum. Yeah, and you can feel where it's coming from. Like, it's it's one thing to share your truth as, like, a genuine, like, man, I really hope this helps you. Like, I hope that people out there hear that I went through this and that my story helps them. And then you can kind of tell when people are like, I'm sharing my truth because this is going to be a sick piece of content. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is going to be so raw. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to be so emotional. It's going to be so good. It's funny. I'll take that all day over pretending to be perfect. Yeah, but... that's true. I know. I know. I know. I, I'll see some Instagrams where I'm like, Pfft. I'm over that. Right. I'm over like. I'm not into it. Yeah, I'm over the perfectness. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. I think one thing I like to ask people near the end of the podcast is what's the one thing, and I think I know this, but what's the one thing that you're really, really excited about right now that is like you wake up in the morning and it's obsessed in your mind. You're like, this is the thing I need to do. And it could be a part of your business or it could mm -hmm. be multiple parts or it could be something totally we haven't even talked about. Yeah, um, I would say... To get up and to just write. Mm -hmm. Like like I said, I love to journal, but to bring it to the level of like even vlogging or like mm -hmm. sharing a truth that maybe I had the day before. It's mm -hmm. almost like I get to wake up and just be me. And that feels so good to not try to mm -hmm. be something or someone um, and to flow that into writing and like creating content and sharing that with other people. Um, just to imagine like a world of a million people who've like come out of their box, mm. you know, like we were talking about earlier where it's like, Oh my God, where do we find our tribe and our people mm -hmm. when we're on our path? There's so many other people that are looking for that path. Yes. Um, and to know that, you know, I could be a part of maybe their awakening mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form that excites me hell to yeah. be like, hell yeah, let's wake the world up. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Let's have everyone like do the thing that they want to do and step into their truth. It's kind of like you, you're, you're building the bonfire of who you are. And the hotter you can build that bonfire, the more that people can see it from far away and they can walk up and they can light their torch and yes. the bonfire and go like, ooh, she's killing it. Yeah. Maybe I can have it too. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I know. And just to think too that like even just like these awakenings could help with like a domino effect of like mm. our health, yeah. right? Like our relationships, what we're doing for work. And it's just like, I want everyone to be happy mm. and healthy. And like, just imagine a world of people waking up and being like, yo, I'm gonna wake up and do what I want today. It like, exist. like this would be a really fucking fun world to be yeah. in. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we're all living our truth. Yeah, the, the thing that always surfaces for me is we don't, we don't see the shores that the ripples we cast land on always and that with one of my friends he is a kid and we we're talking about it and i'm like your kid could be the next buddha you don't know like every little moment that you have the 
chance to exist in with your kid is a chance for you to steer a little bit towards being per you know being yeah. like amazing or a little bit the other way yeah your kid your kid could also be the next hitler we don't know that either but it's not focused on that side of things yeah it's focused on the positive and just realize that like you don't know the ripples you're casting you don't know for sure like people tend to think if they're not doing this big public thing it's not important but like you don't know if that person that grocery store clerk that you talked to for five minutes showed a little bit of kindness to you a little bit of that genuine like i see you i love yes. you i love you for existing you don't know if they were about to kill themselves. Like, maybe they were. Like, and those little things, it. too, like, honestly make up our day. Oh, like, just these little day. moments of awareness. Um, and, and, like, being that light and and just be, like, for example, like, if someone, like, blew up on you, right, and you didn't react mm -hmm. and blow it back and you just... You're like, damn, you must hmm. be really, really struggling. <laughs> right, like, that could really touch someone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is maybe true purpose for people yeah. is just be here yeah be conscious be awake be aware walk your truth mm -hmm. and um and so yeah that's what i plan to do and yeah. um that feels good <laughs> oh yeah i love it that stuff fires me up yeah sweet at the end of every podcast i like to just take a second to acknowledge you so first of all thank you for being on thank you and thank you for i think the thing that struck me about this conversation was that a, your passion as a parent, like the way that you light up when you're talking about these things is like, oh, I'm getting excited too. And I'm just like by proxy getting excited <laughs> about them. Yeah. But also the way that you share vulnerability and without, you're not filtering your truth as you tell your story. You're just going, here's my story. Here's who I am. Here's some of what I've gone through. I think it's really, really impactful for people. And I'm sure some people listening are going to get a lot out of that way that you've shared pieces of yourself that many people would view as like deep or dark or Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I can share that. People are going to find that and go, oh, okay, that's a, that's a little light in the distance at the end of the tunnel that yeah. maybe I can do some of the same things. So well, thank you for giving me the platform to share it on. My pleasure. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope you found it as impactful as I did. I really think this was an episode that had a ton of useful nuggets throughout the entire episode. Again, if you did enjoy it, please recommend it out to a friend. That's the way we help spread the podcast is by you telling your friends, family, coworkers, whoever is within your circle. That is how the podcast grows. So it'd be super appreciative if you do that, as well as leaving a review on iTunes. Give me a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode and just write a little bit about what inspired you or what impacted you from this episode. I'd super appreciate it. And again, it would help the podcast to grow. Much love to you all. I will talk to you soon and have an amazing week.